Hi guys, welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast in partnership with Kawan, the dedicated OKR platform. For today's episode, I'm joined by Tim Herbig. Tim is a product management coach with over 10 years experience in building B2C and B2B products across a broad range of industries. Tim now helps product teams across the globe to find their path to solving user problems while contributing to business goals that matter. Today, Tim and I are going to discuss how to make OKRs work for product teams to drive your team towards clear, measurable outcomes. Tim, before we get into today's subject, please can you give our listeners a brief introduction to yourself? Sure, Uh, happy to do that. Thanks for having me. So yeah, as you mentioned, uh, my name is Tim. I've been in products since 2010. Like so many product people, I sort of stumbled into it. And almost like halfway throughout my career, I stumbled again into the topic of, of OKRs. Um, shortly before switching jobs, I learned that my my boss, my boss's boss, was actually like using an OKR-ish system with us. And I learned about that. I was like, huh, I wonder what this thing is about. And like so many people just started typing in how what are OKRs into Google, learned a lot about obviously the, the now famous Google practices and uh, started to like explore that topic a bit more, try to approach it by the book. Then I took over a completely new team, a whole department as a head of product. And um, realized that I had to unlearn lots of things about what I knew about product management and OKRs because I couldn't just like seemingly make everything work. And so that has been a large part of my journey as I had to learn how OKRs can actually be leveraged in product team for product teams and product environments uh, to, to create an actual benefit, right? Instead of just being like an additional reporting tool, a reporting function to fill in. And, and after working in many B2C, B2B, um, products where I also had to like re- rethink many different ways of working. Um, I'm now helping, as you mentioned, teams with uh, finding their own path to focusing more on outcomes and solving real problems. And obviously OKRs uh, have proven to be quite an effective vehicle for doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'm always trying to be very keen on that. I try to not teach teams like OKRs for the sake of OKRs, but like trying to connect it to an actual problem they're having. And making sure that it fits their way of working instead of just forcing like yeah the blueprint approach on them and uh yeah that's certainly been an exciting journey great thanks tim um so let's dive into today's subject um and we spoke before and then went up to the podcast a little bit about yourself and your background and you told me how some product teams can reject the concept of OKRs and um, obviously you've mentioned that they, they are an effective vehicle but why do you think this is why do you think that certain teams can reject this concept? Sure so I think I often I so oftentimes observe two two main reasons or two main situations so the first one being that OKRs have been adopted on like the management the C-level for the whole company with maybe some high idea, high level ideas in mind of why actually OKRs should be introduced. But this idea or this intention behind OKRs rarely trickles down to the more tactical teams or departments. So one of the reasons I found is that product teams actually use quite a lot of, you could say processes or frameworks to structure their way of working, whether that's something more common like Scrum or Kanban to organize their delivery work, Maybe they already embraced the idea of product discovery to be more user-centered before building a product or using different frameworks of product strategy or product roadmaps. And now this additional framework comes along the way and tells them, hey, this is where you fill in your goals and you have to report on them. So I feel if OKRs just get introduced as this additional reporting function to product teams, they're like, we're tracking all these things already in all those different tools and, and routines and meetings we're having. 
why do we have to do that again just for the sake of ticking another box? So this lack of connection to the actual why, what a company or management wants to achieve with OKRs is one of the biggest reasons I've seen for product teams rejecting that, and specifically for product teams as they are the ones that are already forcing or like focusing on a couple of structured practices compared to potentially other departments in the company. And the second reason then is that OKRs mostly get introduced as an additional layer. It's like almost like a parallel universe to all the structures and processes product teams are already pursuing. And so this is the second reason. Um, first one being the lack of connection to what's in it for me, what's the actual benefit or intention behind that. And the second one, a lack of integration or visibility or actual value in the, all these existing routines and tools product teams are already using. Yeah, so that I think that's a good point. You've mentioned the the amount of processes and tools that they're already using that um they would think, you know, oh, here's another additional um right. framework. Why should we use this? So with that in mind, how how do you sell the idea of OKRs to product managers? Sure. Um the so the biggest starting point for me when having that discussion is and again, depending on how the setup might be, so I've sometimes work with product teams who are trying to explore the idea of OKRs from a bottom-up approach. So without the whole company adopting OKRs, they are like, Tim, could you help us explore how this tool might help us to change our way of working in a given direction? And if that's the case, I, I try to start with why, like so many good questions, and trying to understand what are you actually trying to achieve? Like how would success look like if you would like actually be able to continuously use OKRs and make it part of your practice? Um, and there's oftentimes quite a quite an interesting gap between all participants or members of a product team of what they want to achieve. You know, um, maybe engineers want to have more focus and want to have less distractions and change-ups in the sprint cycle. Product managers might want to create a stronger tie to the product strategy or want to make sure that they're rather focusing on outcomes than on features. So this is an interesting starting point for the conversation with the product team and then showing to them, hey, this, there are different, many different flavors of how OKRs could be used for you. Um, let's figure out what's the right flavor. And I feel showing them the variety of ways OKRs can be used is a big thing that breaks down the barriers because they realize it's not just this one rigid process we have to follow. Whereas when there's this other situation where it's more like a company given thing and it has trickled down to the product team or product departments, um, I try to circle back to what the company actually wanted to achieve yeah. um, because the way the product teams should use OKRs, again, should be in line with what the company wants to achieve. And fairly often, most of the objections or reservations product teams have can be resolved on this more like company level thing. So whether mm -hmm. the company OKRs are too descriptive or the strategy is unclear uh, or there's a lack of connection to the benefit behind OKRs. And I think, as you mentioned, it's it's um, it's good to talk about the different ways that they can be used um, within within the teams. Um, as with, with most organizations and also at, at team level, it's not... Um, a one size fits all. There's various different ways, and and it's working out how it fits in with with your right. team and the best way to use it. So, um, so yeah, that's important. And how I know you've already already touched on this, but how beneficial are OKRs to product managers? What sort of benefits have you seen working with um, product teams? Sure. So the the good news is I can respond to that question with everybody's favorite product answer, which is, which is it depends, right? It it depends on so many things you want mm -hmm. to achieve. Um, and I think there's, again, there's nothing wrong with starting, like finding your own starting point with using OKRs and maybe not 
ticking all the boxes of how like the probably overglorified public examples look like. Mm. Um, so I feel the, the range of benefits a product team could get range all the way from simply improving your performance, so to say, putting that in air quotes, uh, as the listeners won't see that, um, by saying, look, we're just going to use that to gain more clarity about what we're trying to do and limit our, limit our focus, right? You can simply use that in a very pragmatic way and making sure that you're only working on the uttermost important things and there's enough clarity about what should be done, right? So this is could be one flavor, a bit more of a performance focused, but then obviously you can evolve or you could choose that as a starting point as well and saying, look, we also want to use OKRs to move beyond tasks and feature suggestions. We want to now use OKRs as a vehicle to, to describe what we want to achieve. And therefore, the team gets more creative freedom to define the solutions they want to build themselves if they just aim for a given goal. That's obviously another benefit uh, you could get from that, all the way to enabling even more autonomy for product teams. So there is this idea out there that product teams should be empowered and autonomous. And I think that's a good North Star to shoot for. And OKRs can support you on that way all the way to a situation where you're like, maybe there are no company OKRs anymore. Maybe management doesn't have a veto to team level key results. It's really the bottom-up approach by the product team based on the ingredients they have. And OKRs can certainly lead the way to that future state. Yeah, and I think I just picked up two key things there. And you mentioned creative freedom and, and autonomy and, and what product team doesn't want those, um, those two things. So... Yeah, some really good benefits there. So you, you've mentioned so um, a few different tools or processes and strategies that product teams use, um, product roadmaps, product discovery, um, Scrum, product strategy. So how do those all influence one another? Sure. So in general, I think if you, if you like, would take a step back and look at like what are OKRs, they're like a goal-setting framework and like where, do, where does goal-setting sit in this whole like cascade of different product management responsibilities, so to say. And um, I think in, 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 in essence, it sits between your purpose, vision, mission, strategy, and the actual task prioritization, right? So it helps you to bridge those two very, uh, those two ends of the scale, basically. And I think it's important to realize that just trying to pull out OKRs out of thin air and trying to bridge that gap won't really work mm. because um, I've seen that the the quality of the inputs for your OKR definition and in that situation might be vision, mission, purpose, strategy have a big, big influence on the actual quality of your goals and therefore also obviously on how useful your goals can be for that for said task management prioritization. Yeah. So I think it's it's important to differentiate like, okay, so what is a vision? So like the vision describes the future end state we try to create for the world, for our customers. The mission is how we're how we're trying to get there. The the strategy is about this more specific plan, like what's our plan to win in that market we've chosen to compete in, and then quantifying those like little success steps basically along the way through goal setting and using that as a yeah as as like um, as a constraint basically to choose from all the different options, features, ideas you could pursue as a product team. So a question I know you get asked about when discussing OKRs with product managers um, is, is how does this differ from product strategy? I know we've touched on that in the previous yeah. um, section, but can you just delve, delve into that a little bit, a little bit deeper? Sure, absolutely. And uh, I like to use like one of the quotes from, from one of the books you can probably see in my shelf behind me from, I mean, obviously not for the audio listeners, but uh, 
as some of you might see the video. So there's, it's about good strategy, bad strategy, uh, which is kind of a, like a classic on product management. And in there, one of the key quotes is um, basically a goal is not a strategy. And I like to, I like to reuse that to make it clear that just having an OKR, even if it's a yearly company OKR, it's not necessarily substitute for articulating your strategy. So as I mentioned, um, product strategy to me is about articulating your plan to win in the market you've chosen to compete in. And obviously that plan can include many unknowns, many variables, and that's why it's so important to have a strategy and goals to quantify those specific bits you're trying to tackle next. All right, so outlining, okay, so maybe we want to, we want to um, achieve the, like, like a goal can be an important part of a strategy. Don't get me wrong. Like you, you should be able to, to articulate, hey, is our end goal to be acquired, to IPO, to like just maximize the revenue until we don't know how to spend our money anymore? That's an important ingredient for your strategy because this will inf influence what kind of paths you're trying to take. Like what customer segment are you catering? What problems are relevant? Who are you trying to differentiate from in, in the market you've chosen? What kind of resources and teams and people do you need? So this is like the holistic picture of what a, what a strategy should try to answer based on data and facts you're collecting along the way. And once you have you have assembled this plan, basically, you should like look at it. Okay, so what of these bits and pieces of the strategy are we already good at? Like which ones are not as pressing as others? So what's the biggest gap we should tackle first or to take the next step to, to, to execute that plan? And I think once you have identified those specific strategic gaps in the plan, you can use OKRs to make these more tangible, right? So once you know like, oh no, so we want to expand our... We want to start catering to a new audience. Let's say we're, we're B2B software and now we don't just want to build software for in-house product and BI teams. Uh, we now want to also build something for agency customers. And so agency customers become this, this potential badge to contribute to one of your overarching goals, which might be simply revenue expansion. And obviously you don't know very much about the agency market yet. You don't know the user roles, the problems they have, the other tools they're using, the new competitors you're trying to face. And then you can use OKRs to structure, okay, at the end of the year, maybe from a yearly perspective or a company perspective, how would success look like? If, if we would succeed with this next step of executing the strategy, let's try to find an inspiring headline in the form of an objective. And let's try to quantify how that success would look like from a holistic angle. So going beyond just revenue and user growth, also maybe articulating your way of working with this new customer segment, um, uh, specific customer satisfaction metrics or specific processes you want to put into place. And this is where, where really can goals um, can come into play to articulate the quantitative success of the execution of these identified strategic gaps, basically. Yeah, I think that's a really key point. Um, as you mentioned there in the very start of the answer, a goal is not a strategy. And I think um, it's important to distinguish the two, especially when looking to, to, to implement OKRs and um, to have that at the forefront of, of your mind. This is quite a broad, I guess, question, but uh, do you have any sort of examples um, for product teams of, um, like, I guess, an OKR? But... I know it depends on whether it's a B2C or B2C organization and completely different um, industries that you're in, but I guess I thought I'd pop that in there. That's a good question. Um, I think in, in, so in general, I try to encourage teams to not look too much at other examples because mm -hmm. especially if teams are at the beginning of the journey, I have seen that 
and me included, when I got started, I was really drawn to OKR examples from other companies and try to adopt them and just copy, like not necessarily copy and paste them one by one, but you could see some similarities. And what I found is that that certainly leads to, to a lot of complications for product team mm-hmm. because you, you really, you never know like the context in which said OKRs have been defined from another company. Mm-hmm. Maybe these were just like top-down founder genius kind of goals or bottom-up scrappiness goals, or maybe they were changed like two weeks into the cycle. So having said that, as a, as a preface for, preface for um, the potential harm OKR examples could do to, to product teams, I think it's important to... To, to think holistically about OKRs and what I mean by that, which I briefly touched upon, once you've identified an objective, right? Let's say um, we want to dominate the agency market to mm-hmm. stick into this previous example, to think about, okay, what are pot- potential angles, how that objective would look like? So of, of course you might incorporate a performance driven key result in there, which determines the revenue or the user growth, the number of contracts signed from that objective. But again, um, Kind of like trying to imagine like, as if you would take a walk around a castle and look at it from different angles and every angle reveals a different attribute of that castle. And I think it's the same for an objective, also for a product team to make sure like, okay, so if we're standing in front of the gate of this castle, we might talk about how many people fit through this goal, uh, mm. fit through this gate. But if we take a walk around, maybe we describe the material the castle is made of, which in our case could be what's our, pro, our way of working. Like how, what's, for example, what's the response time to new leads we're coming in? Mm. Or what's the, the quality of product demos given to new leads? Or how many... Um, letters of intent do we want to have or what's a, a satisfaction rating of sales demos we're giving and i think this could lead to a much more holistic picture for product teams whether it is b2c or b2b mm-hmm. to think through different perspectives and angles and obviously the the second dimension is to think of the let's say the volatility of the metric and what i mean by that is basically how much can you actually influence the metric as a product team the key result and how often does it change right Uh, which is this whole idea of like leading lagging indicators which is like so a lagging indicator is easy to spot and 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 uh, easy to list because it's on all the dashboards you have already Um, it's much more difficult to arrive at the leading indicator that actually changes at a sufficient pace so you as a product team can derive feedback from it Right, because if you if you build uh, things throughout the whole goal cycle, that you can only measure, if at all, any kind of change in the key result at the end of the cycle or in hindsight, the question remains: How useful was this key result to inform your actual work? Yeah, and what about the concept of using OKRs um, cross functionally? Um, I've spoke a lot about um, and read a lot about the um, the benefits of working um across different teams and um, so for example with the product teams working with like marketing or, or sales for example yeah. um have you found um that while working with your your clients and, and the benefits of, of doing it cross-functionally yeah certainly um and this again this goes a little bit back to my first experience trying to introduce okrs to the to the department i was leading back in 2016 which was like I first started to set up like product management OKR and engineering OKR and marketing OKR and had talks with all these different people and trying to define their OKRs until like two or three cycles in, I realized, well, this is really creating an insane overhead. At the same time, I realized how much cross-functional efforts were actually needed mm. um, to, to, to build things, to, to perform actions or activities or campaigns to contribute to these goals. And so I was finding myself managing this communication overhead between people like, oh, 
hey, marketing, can you help me with this activity or this project or engineering? And then the question was always, why are you doing that? Oh, because I have this key result. Oh, interesting, I have this key result. And this mm -hmm. is the prime example for me to showing like, well, the more cross-functional your product team is or the team that's using OKRs, the more effective you can use OKRs. Because also coming back to those different perspectives of your objective, the more cross-functional your, your team is, the more angles you can cover for a key mm -hmm. result, which means the more likely you are to break free of this constant, just penciling in another revenue metric into your key results over and over again, because that's all you can influence. So um, I think, that, again, that, that's, a, that's a big topic. And one of the like high-level rules of thumb, I like to say when, when people tell me about the insane effort they have to align OKRs between teams, And obviously, in some companies, there is just a large number of teams that needs mm. to be aligned. But I think in general, if you feel that um, that it takes too long to align product teams on the OKRs, that might be an interesting red flag to think of a more cross-functional team structure. Yeah, definitely think that there's benefits to be had um, by doing that. I wondered whether you can give, you've already given lots of um helpful i guess advice but if there are, are there any other tips that you could give for for anyone working in product management but they're struggling to get buy into okrs um like a final piece of advice for those sure i think um what sometimes can be helpful is when you have any kind of discussion whether it's with management or team member um try to maybe like leave the word OKRs on the side for a second and just like try to focus on the benefit of what you would want to get out of that. And for example, in the case of OKRs, you would want to simply ask the question, how would success look like at the end of the cycle, the quarter, the year, whatever it is, and try to get an answer to that and try to quantify that answer. And once you have that, you basically are pretty close to using these answers as a, as a measure to prioritize your decisions, right? Because if you're like, no, I know what success looks like, I can compare that against the actions I'm taking. And so then over time, if you see this concept catching on, you can like make it more structured. You can introduce a more structured discussion about that. You can formalize the, the key result drafting, uh, the, especially the facilitation of that, which can like bring great benefits to just writing down the usual KPIs you're tracking anyway. And the, the second thing is if you, if you try to incorporate any kind of OKR practices in your work, specifically in product management, Think through some of the existing practices you're already having for most product teams that could be the sprint planning, the daily stand-up, the sprint review, anything like that. And try to think about, well, how could we how could we integrate the practice of OKRs into any of these existing routines? Mm -hmm. So the question of what are we going to do next in order to drive these key results is a perfect question to be asked in the sprint planning to determine mm -hmm. what should go into your next two-week cycle. And maybe you also want to utilize the sprint review to recap on what you've done to not just talk about the features and tasks completed, but maybe also looking back at the progress you made against the key results you have set already for yourself. Uh, I think these could be two um, incredibly helpful pieces of advice to sort of ease your way into adopting um, OKRs as, actually help, as an actual helpful measure. Thank you, Tim, for, for those bits of advice there. I think anyone that's working within product management and in product teams struggling to get by, and I think there's some really good bits of um, information they can take from this discussion. And I think it's interesting how you said to leave the, the words OKR to the side, but actually think about you know, yourself, what does success look like, and ask those internal questions. So thank you for joining us today. It's been a really interesting discussion. And thank you to our Thanks giant talk. Me. 
No worries. Thank you to our Giant Talk listeners for listening to another episode of Giant Talk. We're always interested to hear your feedback. So if you'd like to let us know what you think, you can email us at growth at derbygiants.com. And as always, we'll look forward to another episode of Giant Talk.